Welcome to Purifying Truths with A-Star. How's everybody doing out there? Thank you so, so much for tuning in and joining us today. We have a queen with us by the name of Ruby Gardner. For those of you who are not aware who Miss Gardner is, let me tell you, she is a Cleveland native, but she lives in Jersey. She's a mother of four and a law enforcement officer. Welcome to Purifying Truths, Ms. Gardner. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to just share with you. My pleasure. It is wonderful to have you on. We know that your story is one of perseverance. Um, we know that you have been through some things and we're here to glean from the things that you have overcome and the obstacles and triumphs that you have been through. And so we'll go ahead and jump right in, understanding that something happened around seven years old. So please tell us a little bit about your life before seven and then after seven. Uh, my grandparents went to school together um, on both sides. And so I got the pleasure of being able to tell the story from both ends. Um, uh -huh. But my mom, uh, my grandmother actually died at the age of 22. So at the age of 12, um, after having nannies and things like that, my grandfather, I guess, felt that it was okay to marry somebody. And... Um, they uh, he actually married the woman that they used to see on the cover of a album um of a you know that they wished that they wanted to be her mom they want for her to be their mom and she, their, their wish came true but um but not them they had a traumatic outcome um the relationship was abusive and um my grandfather never knew about it um he didn't know about it until after they were well in their 40s and 50s um, that they were being abused. So um, my mom was a runaway. My mom ran away. They thought she was just being bad, but she she ran away, ended up in homes, and her and my dad met um, when she was about 19, and she was in, I guess, a group home or whatever, and she, he met her, and they came up with me and moved to California. Well, my dad's a hustler. <clears throat> very nice guy, pretty boy. He was a very nice looking man. And um, and they he was a drug dealer. Uh -huh. And you know, you know, he was big time with it. He knew a lot of people in the industry. Um, and he dealt to them. Period. And uh they moved to California and we like my dad he had a house in the mountains but we lived in los angeles like around the pico area in the hood um and i don't know if that was a cover-up or i don't know what it was but that's where we stayed and um and i didn't have any worries like i didn't have i didn't see domestic violence um between my parents or nothing like that but um i knew that something was wrong i knew that something just by conversation uh, with my mom and whoever she was talking to on the phone at times, I knew something was wrong. Uh -huh. So, you know, I had a pretty good life with them, even with them doing their little shenanigans. And again, my parents were young. They were teenagers, 19, 20, early young adults. So, of course, they're going to do what young adults do. Um, but the one thing they did was take care of us, make sure that we had everything we need, you know, and and the most trauma I probably had was we was always either at my grandmom's house 
or one of his other girlfriend's mom's house. You know what I'm saying? And it was kind of wonky, you know, you know, because <laughs> they would they would go. I know they would go to San Diego all the time. So I know there's a lot of things going on in San Diego. They would go to San Diego a lot. My dad would go to Vegas a lot um, and be gone for long periods of time. And so um, I, I didn't quite, quite get the gist, but I knew that they were into stuff. You know, I remember seeing the marijuana in piles, like not no little plate. I'm talking about it was some big stuff. Uh-huh. And so I remember seeing that. And, um, you know, now you see it, now you don't kind of thing. So, you know, they did their thing, but they kept it. They kept it classy. I'm going to say that. But how did that make you feel as a little girl, knowing that what your parents were doing was not, quote unquote, what they should be doing? Or Um, did you not even grasp that concept yet? At that age, I just didn't, I didn't really, it wasn't really a thing. It was normalcy to me Uh that it was normal because I was there as an infant. So I grew up in it. So it was normal to me. And um, it wasn't until I got around six years old that, you know, and I started doing stuff like uh, I, I actually one of my, it's my, again, my aunts and uncles are teenagers, right? So my aunt gave me some angel dust. And it was then that I realized, hey, you know, this ain't cool. This this uh-huh. ain't cool right here. That and there, my mom just had enough. Because at first she was uh, accepting to it. You know, it was, that, that was their hustle. That's what they did. But I guess she just had enough. And she moved us to Cleveland. Uh. And um, I didn't like that at all. I didn't. Who wants to move from hot to cold? That this It was just a traumatic experience. And then um, to find out that uh, we went from having a lot to not having nothing. Big we difference. Got, we, we living with your parents. I know this my grandparents, but I had to learn them people. My dad's mom, I knew her. I knew who she was. I knew that was grandmom. I was with her all my life. I could. She died when I was 40. So all my life. And so my, my grandfather and my mom's parents, I had to learn him. I didn't know who he was. Your rules were different. You, we, we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. And I wasn't used to that. I had freedom. So you go from two different type of lifestyles, you know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. I, it was rough. It was kind of rough, but I had to, I was a, a quick adjuster. Just, I can adjust, but I refused to allow myself to adjust to that daggone climate. That's the only, I just, oh, I hated, I hated it. And I lit there. That was the one thing I hate about is the weather. But as uh-huh. far as the u- unity in the family and the f- unity in our friendships, those were solid because I, I met, I came up across solid people. You know, they're very friendly in Ohio. Um, uh, so it's a mixture of behaviors and stuff. And I just had to learn a whole different family. You know, you, you, you just, you got to just be able to be flexible. Uh-huh. And I just knew at a young age that I was flexible. So while, you know, you're, going from having 
no wants, no needs, all of your um, desires met, then you transition to um, having, I guess, some deficits and having to learn how to maneuver through life and earn things and um, be flexible. Also, at the same time, you know, a new environment, totally um, new people. Was there any obstacles there that you had to overcome knowing where you came from and trying to integrate into the school system? Um, the only thing was it's, it's, it's slower in Cleveland than it is in California. And so my my dad is of, of, of Cuba descent. And so because of that, I was speaking, so I understood more. I spoke more then, and so it was kind of hard for me to learn a little bit. It was a little bit hard for me to learn um, because I didn't have him there. You know what I'm saying? And uh-huh. and so me and my mom, we did have some little translation issues, um, but I, you know, eventually I overcame that part because you know you you gonna learn. You're going you're gonna to learn some English. You're going to learn how to write it. You're going to learn, you know, how to deal with it, period. Uh-huh. And so that's what I had to do. And you have parents. Is, my dad just, and he's and he's a black Hispanic, but, you know, he wants all his children to speak their language. And so that was big for him. So with them separating, I didn't have him um, as a guide then. Uh-huh. So after that, you know, that was kind of hard learning. I was a different type of kid uh, again my grandmother raised us most of the way so it wasn't about you gonna do something to me and I'm not gonna say anything so when we as living in this household with my grandfather when he goes to work and we're there with his wife um and this was my step-grandmother uh, my grandmother was 22 when she passed um there the things that she would do was weird to me like my mom would provide food and we couldn't have it. Like, who does that? I'm not used to that. Why, why I can't have some milk? That's simple. I can't go get some milk. I can't have this. So I would go to school and tell because my mom would be at work. So I, I didn't see it. So I would go to school and tell the teacher. And so the teacher would call my grandfather's house and be like, I don't understand why, you know, this young lady's come to school and she hasn't eaten. And eaten, we had to go back and forth home to eat we didn't have school lunch I had to go home and eat lunch and go back to school so uh, so when you when you sending me out in the dead middle of winter and and you telling me I can't have something I get to school and I'm I'm cold one and I haven't eaten properly they took that serious Uh and so I guess she didn't think I was gonna tell so you know then you know my mom had to get on her stepmother about me so those are the things that I you know had to learn how to overcome and adjust understanding that oh this is a this is a dysfunctional household lots of dysfunction and conflict it seems as though as you skip forward to um as you know your teenage years I understand that your mother got married uh yeah she got married when I was in junior high school to um, my little brother's dad and, um, that relationship was weird, but, um, he was abusive, which is something different in my whole life. I'd never seen my parents fight. So uh-huh. 
he he beat me with an extension cord, which was all the way crazy. Um, I, I carried scars on me until I was 22 years old, mm. and um, and and I didn't understand why it was allowed. You know what I'm saying? Because that that's crazy. I'm not even your child. It wasn't working. So even more dysfunction now abuses into the picture, and so I see why you wanted something different, why you wanted to change and get out of that environment and make something different. And so tell us, how did you do that? How come you're not the same as your environment growing up? How come you're not selling drugs or being abusive or using drugs? What made it different for you, Ms. Gardner? I um, I just knew that a lot of stuff that happened to me was was uncomfortable and I just promised myself that if I had kids I would do it differently um if I had kids and I knew that at a certain age that they're extremely eight I'm extremely impressionable and and so I wanted to make sure that I was making the right example for the people that I that I birthed on this earth I wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure that when they looked at me um they didn't look at me with uh with with animosity as uh-huh. I did my mom. I didn't like that relationship that I had with my mom. I didn't like that there was animosity. Um and and I didn't understand that hurt people hurt people. I also didn't understand that hurt people draw or attract to them who they are inside. So what yes. you initially are, um you attract that to you. And so initially my mom is a hurt woman. She's the hurt started when she lost her mom, you know, and then she, she got through that. And then they, then they, at 12, here, here's a woman in a life that they think is going to be great to them. And she turns out not to be so great to them. Uh And, you know, and so what my mother didn't know was that she wasn't supposed to pass that to us. Uh She didn't understand that we weren't supposed to get that pill. And so it spilled over to us. I said, when I have children, whatever curses was put on me, it stops at me. I will not birth children and give them this, the pill that was given to me. They don't deserve it. They uh-huh. do not deserve it at all. And- you know, it's phenomenal the way that you break it down and how you describe it as a pill. But truly, I applaud you for having the courage to break the curse because that takes strength. It's easy to just follow in the same mold and the same path that, you know, those did before you. And I'm so grateful that you show us that you are now giving grace. You now understand that it's not personal. Hurting people do indeed hurt others. And so you broke that curse and you still, you know, you didn't go to smooth sailing. You still had some obstacles you had to overcome. Please share with us. Now you have your children, you know, they're beginning to grow. You're setting examples for them. How are you doing that? Um, I know you say you a hustler. Explain what that means in your terms for us, please. A hustler, to me, a hustler is a person that that gets what they need by all means, except for when I get mine, I get mine by all means legal. I'm not going uh-huh. to sell no drugs. I'm not selling my body. Um, I went through enough coming up as a young girl. So, um, and and 
and just let me spin back a little bit when I when I I ended up in a relationship that was toxic. I can't say abusive, but I can say toxic. Toxic did get out of control. But in the meantime, me cutting curses, I, I was my children, I kept them in church. Um that was like an outlet for me. I kept them in church and um I tried to raise them right. I tried to raise them with morals. I tried to have them look at me as a, a decent mother. Um, I didn't want them having any animosity towards me. I also knew that they were me. They are individualizations of me. And and I wanted I wanted them to have the things that I didn't have or, you know, wasn't afforded to me. The things that I couldn't do, that I couldn't do, I made sure that my kids could do. Uh-huh. Two young men and two young women. And they went to high school fully. They enjoyed being in high school and they weren't teen parents. They graduated and they all went to college. Amazing. So you moved to Jersey, um, helping your children pursue their future. And certainly that's to be applauded once more because what a sacrifice, you know, to move everything so that they can have opportunities that you weren't able to have as you were growing up. Trials and tribulations and obstacles and wow. I mean, and you didn't give up. You still persisted. And so now you're more stable. You Mm -hmm. are employed. You are a law enforcement officer. And not only that, you're pursuing your passion of writing. So tell us just a little bit, please, about your writing and how now you even empower others to tell their story. Um, it was afforded to me to do that in 2016 and um, in, in the midst of everything that I was going through. And um, I wrote in an anthology um, in, um, back then, and then I ended up doing a devotional book and I thought it was cool because somebody was like hey come write on this book with me tell your story you know and I you know I told my story about my relationship Uh they're giving other people a chance to see that hey I'm not the only one that went through this I'm not the only one that been through abuse I'm not the only one that was homeless I'm not the only one you're not the only one nothing is new under the sun and uh-huh. nobody's exempt from it. Um, a lot of people live on different vibrations, if I should, if I'm able to say it like that. So there's different vibrations of life that you can operate on. There's different frequencies that you can operate on if you understand the, the art of operating on a frequency in the first place. So once you understand the level of frequency that you remember in the back in the day, they say you take the high road, I take the low road, or you take the low road, I take the high road. The high road is the level of frequency you choose to think on. Mm-hmm. So understanding that you pursue your passion of writing and now you're helping others write their story. Mm-hmm. I understand how liberating it is as you're explaining to write your story. And mm-hmm. so you've been known to say things like abundance is for all of us. Yes. It is because so, I, 
I don't believe in the 1%. You can have anything. We are divine beings. We can have whatever we want, when we want, how we want it. We don't have to operate under the limitation that's been handed to us at all. Uh-huh. Right. I agree. Totally agree. And so, Miss Ruby, what's next for you? Oh, what's next for me is I am, I'm in a, I'm in a good head space right now. Um, and I am right now, I'm in the middle of writing a devotional, um, which is, which will be out in December. Um, and it's just, I'm known on Facebook as hashtag queen affirmed encourage people because that's what I feel like I should do is edify the next person and so that's part of my uh, devotional is coming out in December let me affirm myself let me give some gratitude and then you know and then how am I going to be a service to somebody because how can you lead if you can't serve right Right. So powerful um, that, you know, service is needed in order to lead. And I think many leaders forget that. Tell us, how can the audience connect with you? Simply by knowing my name. My name is Ruby Lanice. That's L-A hyphen N-I-C-E Garner. You, if you type that in Facebook, you find me. Rubyology, that's Ruby.ology on Instagram. And I'm Ruby Lanice, G-A-R-N. 547 on TikTok. All right. There you have it. Thank you so much for joining us on Purifying Truth. Certainly it has been a pleasure, Miss Ruby. Thank you for your persistence, giving back and serving. Certainly it's needed. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with A Star. Connect with A Star on Facebook and Instagram at Facets of a Star. Check out the website, www.facetsofastar.com. Tune in to Purifying Truths every Saturday at 9 and noon for exciting new guests who illuminate the world from the various facets of life. Shine bright.